best place for below average stars. Hello there, and welcome to the Star Wars Show, the best place for below average Star Wars. I am the Jordy Jedi Pete. I'm Kat Rizzi-Elke. And I'm Canon Junkie XL Ian. And we are back with a brand new episode of Star Wars, bringing you all of the breaking news in a galaxy far, far away. And to begin with, we've got some sad news to talk about. There's been some passings away um, in the Star Wars family. Uh, firstly, Carl Weathers um, passed away at the age of 76. Um, you know, we all know Carl from, obviously, he was an NFL linebacker. Um, you know, he was in the Rocky movies as Apollo Creed, um, where he was sort of second villain to Sylvester Stallone himself. You know, starting off as Rocky's rival, the best friend, the trainer, to sort of the main character who Rocky went to get revenge for towards the end of the Rocky series. And then, obviously, you know, would still live... The character would still live through the Rocky franchise with Creed coming out. Um, so, you know, you can just, just see how how integral he was to sort of that type of storytelling. Obviously, with The Mandalorian, you know, he, we, we know him as Star Wars fans as Grief Karga, you know, a fantastic um, leader of the Bounty Hunters Guild, should we say, um, who starts off maybe as being the Mandalorian's best friend to sort of being against the Mandalorian to then sort of becoming the Mandalorian's friend again, sort of, you know, then becoming the lead of Navarro, you know, the magistrate of Navarro, um, and an ally to the Mandalorian and Grogu, and, you know, by the end of the later season of Mandalorian, you know, an ally to the Mandalorian people. Um, as well as acting in Star Wars, you know, he in the director's chair for two episodes of The Mandalorian, um, Chapter 12, The Siege, and Chapter 20, The Foundling. Um, you know, he's Emmy-nominated for his efforts on the Mandalorian as well. Um I haven't seen how he died um yet and I haven't seen anything written about that, but I know that it was sort of Tuesday. I think it was announced Thursday, but it happened on Tuesday. Um but you know, a great athlete, a great actor. Um whenever I've seen him being interviewed about Star Wars or behind the scenes talking about Star Wars, he was always full of so much love, joy and he seemed very intrigued and very into what he was doing. You know, he wasn't just there for a paycheck. He was he was very much there to, to do his best work and be involved as much as he could, which I think is why he probably ended up being a director. Um, after being cast in The Mandalorian, you know, I think somebody with his knowledge of the film sets he's been on is, is you know, it's, it's it, you know, you, you can't get that knowledge without having lived his life sort of thing. Um, and, you know, I think he was integral to what John Favreau and the team are doing, um, you know, in, the, in those in those first seasons of The Mandalorian. Um, so yeah, I just want to say, you know, obviously we send our, you know, condolences to, to Carwell as friends and family at this time. Um, I think one of my, one of my favorite things about Carl's portrayal of Grief Carga was you could turn on sort of the funny side and the serious side, um, like very subtly and it was seamless. You know, I think, you know, when we see the scenes of him sort of double crossing the Mando, you know, when the when the bounty hunters are attacking him. Um, to when we see sort of the, the, the humorous side of things, you know, when we see him interacting with the um, with the IG-11 body that's being controlled by, by Grogu. You know, when we see um, 
the way he sort of references to the hand thing, his interactions with Grogu, sort of all of them, to be fair, were sort of very heartfelt and funny. And obviously, you know, we, we did see a serious side to him as well. Um, I don't know what some of your favourite parts of Corwell's work in the Star Wars universe were, Kat, but just if you've got any, any words there. I think we will never forget how Carl Weathers absolutely nailed that cape as the High Magistrate of Navarro and the way he had the little droids carrying his cape around. And he sort of embodied that um, spirit of being an extravagant and bold leader. But he was still such uh, a leader of Navarro and its people who, even though he liked the finer things in life was still there to protect those under his care. And it's a massive loss to the Star Wars family. We send all our hugs and condolences to Carl Weber's friends and family. And just, as he always said, and as we always try to embody, be peace. You know, I don't know what some of your favourite Grief Carga moments were. You know, I think we've already said, you know, I think we definitely need to get some more Grief Carga figures in our collection. And he's got quite a good collection, range of collection. You know, I think you know he starts off as leader of the guild, as we said. But you know, as he as the season goes on, he gets a bit more grander. He said, "Hi, I get grander." So, there's certainly a few different grief cargos we're going to add to our collection. But yeah, just sort of closing thoughts on 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 Carl's passing, sort of and what he gave to Star Wars. Yeah, I just want to echo what you and Kat have both said. Uh, I can't really put much more on it than that. He just seems. Forget the athletics, forget the actor. He just seems to be a lovely, lovely guy who, and the term legend is not is thrown about a bit too much these days. I think you can use the case that Carl Weathers is a legend. He'll always be a legend. Iconic roles, iconic, uh, obviously American football player as well, and also just a just a, a great guy. So yeah, uh, favorite grief cargo moments. Uh, I do like the magic hands one in season one of the Mando in the finale. That's quite funny. Also. Yeah, just and how he used to say Mando used to make me laugh every time. So, yeah, no, just like what Kat said, it's a sad, sad day, really. It is, and obviously we don't know. You know, we know they've announced the Mandalorian and Grogu, the movie, um, which should be going to production back in every year. Um, one can only assume he was going to be a part of that, considering how much he's been a big part of the Mandalorian story so far. So um, I imagine we'll get updates on that as we as we go um, from one bit of sad news to another bit of sad news um, Les Conrad or Leslie Conrad as he was known um, played a number of roles in the original Star Wars trilogy um, including Stormtroopers um, a Hoth Rebel Gamorrean God um, he's also standing for E. McDermott um, as Emperor Palpatine on Return of the Jedi has passed away um, so again you know just want to send our, our thoughts and condolences to Leslie's family and friends Um you know, I think two sides of the coin here, you know, we've obviously got someone like Carl Weathers, you know, who portrayed one character in Star Wars as well as working behind the scenes um, to like a phenomenally well level. But one thing that makes Star Wars so awesome and the reason why it's the test of time, I think, is because of how lived it looks and how real and seamless it seems. And, you know, a lot of it is the family of cast and crew who, you know, portray some of these background characters, your stormtroopers, your Gamorrean gods, your Hoth rebels, you know, um, your cantina people, you know, things like that in the background that just make everything seem so visceral and real. Um, and obviously Les was one of those people who, you know, did that across the trilogy. And it reminds me of what you see 
you know, some of the team do now, you know, the creature effects people, you know, they come in, they play a variety of different creatures through all the series and movies, you know, and without without these people again, sort of the we wouldn't be as drawn on the stars who shine if it wasn't for, you know, how just visceral and real the background seems. So again, I just want to pass on our our thoughts to Les's friends and family there. Let's move on to something a bit more happier, I would like to think. Star Wars Outlaws, the new open world game coming from Ubisoft, um, might be arriving sooner than we thought. Um, so based on information um, coming from Insider Gaming, it seems that Ubisoft are targeting a first half of 2024 launch of Star Wars Outlaws, um, suggesting we'll be playing the game no later than the end of June 2024. It was previously suggested that the game would arrive late 2024. Um, I think let's just go to you, Kat, first. Obviously, what's your thoughts on how this has come about, like the announcement of it maybe being sooner, and then obviously just what your thoughts are on, on getting a hold of the game a bit earlier? I suppose my thoughts are quite trepidatious when it comes to Ubisoft. Although they developed some incredible games, they are renowned for delaying them. So I treat any kind of announcement from them with a little bit of hesitation because of that history, at the same time, though, Ubisoft make amazing games. So if it takes longer to make a game even better, then so be it. It would be wonderful to have it in the first half of 2024. Ever since finishing uh, Star Wars um, Jedi Survivor and Jedi Fallen Order, I played them. <laughs> I played them back to back. I have been craving another Star Wars video game and I would love to be able to have Outlaws sooner rather than later. A May release obviously makes sense because of May the 4th. It's the anniversary of everything we love but it really depends upon the developers and whether they can get it ready in time and at the same time we know that in the game industry that there can be pushes to make games come out quickly at the detriment of um, the workers involved, which we absolutely do not want. I would much rather everybody works at acceptable paces and just get the game when we get it. Yeah, I think one of my, you know, like Rockstar Games is one of my favourite game manufacturers and obviously, you know, mainly create the Grand Theft Auto games, you know, and they make us wait a while for those and also for the likes of Red Dead Redemption, things like that. Um, but and they delay them when they need to do because they give us sort of a, a great product when it comes out. So for me, I think if it's ready for me, fantastic. If it's not, then delay it, and that's that's also fine. I think I'd rather have a I'd rather have a, a good product than a than a rushed product, I suppose. Um what's your thoughts, Ian, on A, getting it first half of the year, I suppose, and then also your thoughts on what you're expecting from the game when we do get it. Yeah, like I said, like Kat said, I just hope it's ready if they can get it ready for May. Uh, it's interesting, I remember seeing an article this week as I was reading about this, that they've got a call on the 8th of February. I think it's the Ubisoft-like investors call type thing where potentially we could get a release date then. So we'll have to keep an eye out for the 8th of Feb to see if anything drops about Star Wars Outlaws then. Uh, I do think it's the next game on the Ubisoft slate, so that'd be good just to see. What I expect from the game, like I said, I was I was... Obviously, it was a shock when the game was first announced. I was watching the Xbox showcase type thing, and it just popped up. 
But then when we got the gameplay, I got really excited. It it kind of looks a bit like Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto, but Star Wars. And like you, I'm a I'm a massive Rockstar Games fan and that. And like you, I agree they always deliver us a really good pro, uh, really good uh, product. Or obviously, we're looking forward to Grand Theft Auto Six next year. So yeah, Star Wars Outlaws to me looks a bit like Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, in in Star Wars, which is something that would be a dream game for any of us. So yeah, no, I'm really excited to see what we can do. It's it's interesting that you can actually get missions off Jabba the Hutt. That's a dream in a game as well. So no, yeah, it's one of the it's one of the games I'm looking forward to most. And like I said, like I, I am I am itching to get my hands on another another Star Wars game. I know there's tons in development, like I said, but this is the next one that looks like we'll get. So yeah, no, as long as they can get it ready and it's not rushed out and broken when it comes out, then I'll be all for it. I hope it does come out in May. I think for me, one of the things it has going for it is that, you know, although come out of the blue, you know, we got a pretty awesome game trailer with a lot of cinematics. And then we also got that sort of 10 minute walkthrough trailer of like a level. And it all the mechanics look like fine, the graphics look good. So obviously, maybe that's all that was done. But to me, it seemed pretty far along its development, which I think is a big positive. So uh, so I've got your fingers crossed, hoping that, it, you know, it's ready and good to go and that we will get it. Um, you know, sooner, hopefully sooner rather than later, and hopefully around May, as Kat said, would be fantastic. You know, May the fourth, you know, May the twenty fifth is the anniversary of all things Star Wars. So you know, it's a pretty pretty big month. You know, May the first is when Star Wars: The Bad Batch finale would air on May the first. So you know, we're going to have new Star Wars TV coming from end of February all the way through to the very first of May. And then, um, what a perfect way to give us more Star Wars would be. Here is a new video game coming to you right now because you've just finished watching the Bad Batch. It will be a lovely little, lovely little surprise. Um, obviously, Ubisoft uh, have a big office in here in Newcastle, where I am. Obviously, um, so I'm not seeing that they're doing anything with the game next. I don't know, but if they are, Wait, did they? I didn't know that. <laughs> yep, in the city centre. Moving on from that, on to Lego. Um, as mentioned in previous episodes, it is the 25th anniversary this year of Lego Star Wars. Um, and we know that to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Lego and Star Wars coming together, uh, we're going to get six exclusive brand new minifigures that are included in sets this year. Um, so essentially, it'll be a new Lego set, and then it'll come with a minifigure that's like not from, doesn't match that set, but it's a figure that you know, we haven't had before, or a, or a redo of one. Um, and what's awesome is that the first two have been revealed. We know we're getting Darth Malak, um, which is pretty awesome. Um, and we're also getting Arc Trooper 5s, which is also awesome. Um, and Darth Malak will be found in the R2-D2 set. Um, and the Arc Trooper 5s is going to be born in the Tank Eve 4. Obviously, both sets are available for Pura now, and they release on March the 1st. But the third figure out of the six is set to be revealed soon. It's going to be in the Sith Infiltrator set. So that's the Sith Infiltrator, which is Darth Maul's spaceship from The Phantom Menace. Um, and the, the tease and what it could be, uh, Rebel with a Cause as a slogan that Lego have used. Let's go to you, Kat. Obviously, I know you're a big fan of Lego and bricks and all things awesomeness like that. Just you, you tell us who do you think it is and why, and just why do you think this 25th anniversary is going to be just so good? So the leaks from within the Lego development side, which happen all the time, as we are well aware, 
have revealed that there seems to be new elements being made very specifically for Saul Guerrera, the new, new Saul Guerrera minifigure. Now, there are no row one sets that are p- planned within this year's lineup that we are currently aware of. So people are assuming that Rebel with a Cause could be Saul Guerrera. We're not definitive on that uh, rumour, obviously, but it does kind of fit. Rebel with a Cause has to be one of the rebel leaders and Saul Guerrera is a minifigure we don't have. So it kind of fits with this theme of giving fans what they want, although in sets that you have to buy. I think a lot of people are probably going to be going on to the secondary market these minifigures. I do love the characters they've chosen. They have really listened to fans and what fans have wanted. Um, we've been asking for fives as a minifigure for so long and getting more of the older public Knights of the Old Republic minifigures is just brilliant. Darth Revan walked off shelves when he became a May the Fourth minifigure uh, several years ago. I do think perhaps they're going to split opinion because a lot of fans may just want the minifigures and not the sets. But at the same time, the sets were getting look really interesting and the selection from across the eras is I think really good choices Uh, it looks like we're probably going to be getting at least two sets from each era so I think that's a nice way to do it it certainly is I think for me from what I've seen you know I think the fact that we're getting sort of Darth Malak Octopus Fives you know these aren't just reproductions or repaints of you know certain characters you know and the characters that have a quite a deep connection to very different generations and audiences. Um, so it's bringing it all together. And I think for me, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to make a unique selling point is an exclusive figure in a set and a set that's going to be expensive, then, you know, at least make it worth our while. And I think so far with Darth Malik and our Trooper fives, that is worth our while. I think if it is so Guerrero and it comes of like the breathing apparatus and sort of all the body armor, then, you know, that could be a really spectacular figure as well. If it is so Guerrero, so that's wait and see. And then obviously once the third figure is announced, we know there'll be three left, um, which would be really cool. Ian, I don't know if you've seen these many figures that have been announced so far, um, but sort of what's your thoughts on, you know, we're, we're getting some wanted characters here that we don't get a lot of. So, you know, there's a big hunger for these characters, I suppose. Darth Malik's a really cool one. Yeah, I remember when they announced the Darth Malik uh, Black Series figure as well. So, yeah. Anything Old Republic, I'm down with, yeah, because I think that's a big seller for people. Uh, I'm not, I'm not as into the Legos as uh, obviously Cat is and all that type of stuff, but uh, the fact they're making a Sith infiltrator makes me very intrigued because that's one of my favourite ships in all of Star Wars. So if there's a Sith infiltrator going, I might have to, might have to invest in that. I think it's been like over ten years since we last had the Sith Infiltrator, so it definitely is a good investment if you need any excuses to buy more Lego. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> and Cat Witcher, obviously, out of the sets, we know about the three sets so far: the R two D two, the the Tanti four, and the Sith Infiltrator. 
if I had to put a gun to your head and say you only have one, which one are you picking and why? And would the minifigure that comes with it be a big decision factor? Absolutely. I would just get R2-D2, sell R2-D2 and just have Darth Malak because that's the minifigure I want. But if it was actually buying for the set rather than the minifigure, then it would be the midi-scale General Grievous' ship. Ooh. When is that set out? Uh, that's also uh, scheduled for March 1st at the moment. So we're having three midi-scale ships to go along with the minifigure-scale models that we're also getting. And these sh- I've seen these ships. So are these ships going to be able to buy? They're not gifts or points. So you can actually purchase them from the store. No, they are purchases in the same style as um, 75255 Super Star Destroyer Executor. So a midi scale display model of otherwise sort of much bigger Star Wars ships. Awesome. Have you seen these, Ian? I think, I think if I'm not correct, there's the, there's the Millennium Falcon, there's the Invisible Hand, there's the Tan E4, and then I believe there is one other one. I haven't seen them, no, to be fair. No, I'll have to I'll be have to make sure I check them out. Kat, do you want to fill you in? I feel you can describe them a lot better than me. Like just the these mini skill ships that are coming and just like how awesome they are. Absolutely. So uh we are getting uh free. So we're getting the Millennium Falcon, um, the Invisible Hand. And a gorgeous rendition of the Tanti 4. So none of them come with minifigures, unlike the main um, anniversary sets. But they are all on stands with the new 25th anniversary brick. So they still look really exclusive. And they are still part of this anniversary wave. They're a great way if you love sort of the bigger Star Wars sets, but you can't afford or have the space for the UCS sets to have something that is still a really beautiful display model but it only takes up a tiny part of your desk rather than your entire dining table and this is the first time we've had um, the invisible hand again in forever I think the last one was a clone war set from like 2009-2010 so it's been a long while it has indeed, and I think these these sets. I, I thought it was four for some reason. Maybe I just wish there was four, but um, I think you know the the they're just the right size to make a perfect. They're not too small. To me, how they look, how I've seen them, the pictures of them, that is, is that the, the like the attention to detail and how awesome the look is like perfect, and it, and they take up just the right amount of real estate to have sort of on a shelf or on a desk, whether it's at work, at a workstation, whether it's at home on a bookcase. Like you know, it really pops from the pictures I've seen. They really do pop off, which is absolutely fantastic. I also think the logo, the twenty five years of Lego Star Wars, is fantastic. Um, sort of the silver and and black, and it's the R two D two, and he's hologramming a, a a Lego brick. There looks really good. And then just talk about the Darth Malik minifigure himself. You know, I feel the red and the black really do pop against the um, you know, the, the different colored grays on his on his face and skin, the mask. Um, yeah, re- exciting times. I'm glad they're doing the right thing about giving us good money figures and giving us good sets. I think, you know, Lego, we all know, you know, it's an expensive hobby, especially when you slap a, a license on it like Star Wars. But I think, you know, if you make a good product, then everyone will happily buy it because you, you're giving us something that's awesome. Um, 
I think my worry is when people, organisations get sloppy and think they can just charge a high price price for something that's, you know, repeated all the time or something that's not so good. You know, that's, that's when I don't like it, but they're absolutely smashing it with what they're doing at the minute, which I think is absolutely wonderful. Um, if you had to choose in between the Millennium Falcon, the Invisible Hand, or the Tanty 4 as sort of a mini Lego set to go on your workstation at work, which one would you pick? You only have to pick one. I am a massive fan of the Invisible Hand. I think it's one of the most unique capital ship designs in Star Wars, so I would be choosing the Invisible Hand. I've always loved the Invisible Hand. It's up there with the Star Destroyer and the, the Venter for me as a really cool like capital ship. So yeah, 100% would be the Invisible Hand for me. Yeah, so Mine's the Falcon, but I'm greedy. I'm going to buy them all, I think. Yeah, i just have them all on display. <laughs> I'll have one at my work desk at work. I'll have one in my office at home. Now I'll put one like in my living room on a bookcase hiding so that the wife doesn't see it until she does. No, no, they're wrong. Um, something like that. Um, any other Lego news you want to talk about, Kat, or any awesome Lego sets you've had uh, over Christmas and up until now? Well, I did manage to get the Lego Star Wars UCS Venator for Christmas. Ooh. I think you probably all remember me drooling over the announcement of this set because the Venator is my Second favorite, well, it may be my favorite class of Star Destroyer, sort of tied with the Resurgent class. And I haven't built it yet. I that fully a, admit I'm a big not... girl purchase, a big girl purchase. Um, but once I've got the space sorted out for it, that will be built and it will look very impressive, hopefully. Oh, that is huge. I think that's, uh, I can't wait to see it. You have to give us updates as, as you're building it, I think. I'm going to have to put a Star Wars audiobook on while I do it because I know it's going to be at least a 14-hour build. Would you build it all in one go or would you come and do like a couple of hours every day? Mm, typically, when I did the uh, UCS Millennium Falcon, I did split it up to like several hours uh, a day because otherwise you get brick blindness where you're just looking at the pieces and you don't realise what's right in front of you. And that's why I have a Star Wars audiobook to keep me company as I built. I think the biggest Lego set I've built is the um, the Slave 1 UCS. Gorgeous model, that one. Yes, that's the biggest one I've built. Ian, what's the biggest Lego set you've built, Star Wars-wise? I've just got the uh, the pod racer from the Phantom Menace, Anakin's pod racer from the Phantom It's the only Lego I've ever bought. I'm meaning to get some, but it's so expensive and that. I've never, I've never really bought anything. But yeah, no, I have the one Lego that I did buy was the uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, pod racer and it was a really cool little figure. I've still got the the Luke Skywalker X Wing minifigure on my shelf actually. Yeah, it's a really cool little little thing. The pod the pod racer is really nice. I have that set as well. Really, really nice set. Yeah. Um moving on from Lego to Star Wars publishing. DK are bringing us a new definitive version of the Star Wars Encyclopedia. It'll be arriving in September twenty twenty four, just in time for the holidays. Um what is very cool is it is written by some awesome people. Um Dan Brooks, uh, Megan Krause, Kelly Knox, Amy Ratcliffe, uh, Amy Rakao, Dan Zier, and friend of the podcast, Brandon Wynerty, is also contributing. Um, so for those who don't know Brandon, he obviously has his podcast, Talking Bay 94, where he talks to people who have made Star Wars, whether they're in front of the screen, behind the screen, concept artists, script writers, prop builders, 
actors, sound technicians, you name it. He's, he's sort of speaks to them. Definitely check out Taught Me 94. Obviously, Brandon's done a couple of episodes of Star Wars in the past. Um, always a great time. Always fun. It was great catching up with Brandon at Star Wars Celebration um, in London just in last April. Um, and obviously, it's great to see that he's going to be contributing to this encyclopedia. Has me more excited for it, that is for sure. Um, what they're saying is that it's going to contain more than 2,200 entries from the most current Star Wars film and TV series. Um, discover the vital facts about iconic characters, creatures, locations, vehicles, and technology from a galaxy far, far away. It's going to give us comprehensive histories of 1,200 characters. Um, you know, it's going to chart us through the galaxy, more than 275 location entries, everything from the world between worlds to Dorothea's castle of Mustafar. Um, you know, 275 vehicles from the Millennium Falcon to the N1 Starfighter. Um, you know, it's going to talk us through Beskar armor, lightsabers, you know, again, another 275 pieces of equipment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love the sort of the visual dictionaries. You know, I love the I love the behind-the-scenes guides, and this is going to be another one. You know, I think, yes, there's going to be some things in here that we already know. Yes, there is, but I think there's going to be some some new pieces. And like I said, the fact that I know somebody like Brandon is working on it. Um, I know he's going to go above and beyond to really deliver us something awesome. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you have a character, uh, well, not just a character, but a, an overall Star Wars encyclopedia on your shelf, Ian. But if you do, are you ready for an upgrade? Uh, yes, I do. I do have the last one, yeah. Uh, I think I got that twice, actually, one Christmas. I think people bought me twice. But, you know, I do, I've just got it now, actually, yeah. Uh, I do have the encyclopedia, but, no, I'll be definitely interested in picking up the new one. It's got cool little facts about everyone in this one, to be fair. Just opened it up on Tion Madon, which is a great character, so that's good. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'll definitely be looking forward to getting the new one. Cat, have you got room for another Star Wars encyclopedia with even more information about all of the awesomeness that Star Wars is? Absolutely, because when it comes to the films, they did the amazing visual dictionaries for each of them, uh, including Rogue One and Solo, which are absolute Bibles for me whenever I'm talking about Star Wars and writing about Star Wars, because you're always double checking uh, names, places, and sometimes there's a weird fact that you know from the dictionary and you just need to double check. And Wikipedia and the dictionaries are absolutely my go-to Bibles. So to have the definitive uh, encyclopedia, I'm hoping might bring us up to Andor, The Mandalorian, and Ahsoka, because none of those have uh, encyclopedia, visual dictionary style books. So it'd be interesting to get some random facts to be able to put into uh, comic reviews and just be able to talk about. I know, and I think that's why this is coming and why they've done such a big announcement. I think, you know, they're making a point of saying they're going to be the most current Star Wars film and TV series sort of covered. So I think we're going to get all that juicy material. And, you know, these new, you know, especially Ahsoka on its own, is so rich in Star Wars history, both past, present and future, because um, the way it deals with things, especially the world between worlds, you know, it's it's going to be absolutely wild. Um, so, yes, I will definitely be picking this up myself as well. Obviously, just very excited for Brandon. Obviously, you know, he works right to starwars.com as well as other places, um, Star Wars Insider. Um, and it's great to see someone like that working on another Star Wars project, which is awesome. Um, because from speaking, I know how much he loves Star Wars, and he, he's up there with other Star Wars alumni, Christina Morse, who obviously works at Skywalker Sound. Um, 
and it's, it's working on some awesome Star Wars stuff there. So, yes, it's great to see awesome people living an awesome dream because they've just worked so hard for it, which is absolutely fantastic. Moving on from that, I suppose let's just talk about what people have been reading lately. Uh, let's go to you first, Ian. I know you've been reading or rereading Dark Disciple. Obviously, we've had that bad batch trailer with one Asajj Ventress being shown. Just talk us through why you decided to reread it and how is the reread going so far? Yeah, just to go into it, like I said, I haven't been on the I haven't been on the show since obviously that trailer came out. Uh, obviously, I was like anyone uh, when it came out. Saw Asajj Ventress, I was like, what? And then obviously saw that the book will they will still the events of Dark Disciple will still line up to her story in the Bad Batch. So I just thought, I just thought it was a time to, to give it a reread. See, I remember reading it when it first came out. I can't remember when it came out, but I read it when it first came out. Uh, and then, yeah, I just thought it'd be good to go back and see, just get refreshed on that story, obviously, before we see Ventress's story continued in the Bad Batch. So, yeah, uh, it's really good. It's as good as I remember it was. I'm about 100 pages in at the moment. Uh, but you know, really enjoying it, and like I said, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to get it, a refresh of that story, especially since they're obviously gonna keep it in line with the canon. So yeah, no, just wanted to get a refresh on that story before we obviously get to the bad batch in just about two, three weeks time. I think I want to do the same. Um, it's just about finding the time, uh, which I'm struggling with because I'm just still reading High Republic and. Um... And I'm just, I get too carried away. I still play Championship Manager at a 102, where I'm Newcastle United and do a great job on that. And then I work <laughs> full time, then I have a wife, and it just gets too much. But that's all my fault. You know, I could sort of not do one of those things and read the book. Um, when I say not do one of those things, I mean not play Championship Manager. So, <laughs> um, so yes. Um, Kat, I don't know if you're planning on a reread of Dark Disciple. Though, also, just what's your thoughts on Sarge being back? How they're going to do it? Are you going to reread it? And just yeah, overall, how excited are you for this character? It's really strange, but I actually don't feel the need to reread it because I remember Dark Disciples so well. Uh, I think I read it shortly after it was released, which must have been something like 2015, 2016. And it has stayed with me. Asaja's story is so harrowing. She has honestly been through so much. And while the Clone Wars showed a lot of her character arc and her healing journey, Dark Disciple highlights the importance of Quinlan Vos in that side of Ventress and really sort of bringing her fully back to the light side of the Force through their friendship and sort of budding romance. Um, and... I, yeah, I just remember the book so well, the story beats and what happens. Uh, the reason we're all talking about Assange Ventress is because in Dark Disciples, she sacrifices herself for Quinlan Voss in order to save him. And we see her in the Bad Batch, which takes place well after those events. Yet the showrunners have announced that it will not break the canon. So that opens up a whole can of space worms because how is that possible? Did Asajj not die? Uh, was she healed? Is this Asajj Ventress a clone? What is going on? Uh, I'm really excited to see a story continue and I would be 
really happy if Asajj could get a bit of a better ending, a happier ending, because she went for a really hard life. And while sacrificing herself for Quinlan was so noble, for her to have a chance beyond that redemption would be absolutely amazing, I think, for Ventress. And if she can help the Bad Batch to save Omega, well, that would be wonderful. So I'm really excited for her return uh, in season three. I'm really intrigued to see how they balance the events of Dark Disciple with what happens in this new season. It's something completely unexpected. When I saw that trailer, I was expecting quite a few things. I was not expecting Ventress to just suddenly appear. Could it be a flashback? But the the only problem is none of the characters in the Bad Batch knew Ventress. Do we see do we see them with her in the trailer? I she's sort of by herself, but she does have a new haircut and new armor. Time will tell, I suppose. Mm. Um, it's exciting though, I think like how they're gonna do it. It could be a flashback. It's probably less likely, but it could be a flashback. But if it is a case of she is here and alive and well um, in the knowledge that they're going to have to tell that story then that is something pretty awesome what's your thoughts Ian? is she alive and well is it a flashback is it a clone if, you had, if I give you $10 to bet on to bet on this where's it going I think she's alive and well because if it was a flashback then they could just say they were just doing a flashback from, obviously they wouldn't say that but from Dark Disciple, the Ark. So I, I think she's alive and well. I think it'll be some sort of night history thing. Maybe I'm, I'm not, I can't remember how the book ends, so I can't remember her final... Obviously, it says she dies, but I can't remember the actual wording of how she died, so I can't remember off the top of my head. But, no, I believe she's alive, and I believe they've just brought a, a character, not back to life, but they've just brought her back. Uh, and I I always thought it was a bit weird to kill her off in a book. I I get that the book was a Clone Wars arc. They never did, so it would have been it would have been on on telly. So yeah, no, I I, I think she's alive and well. I I think she, but I do think the trailer's a misdirect. I don't think it's the Bad Batch firing at her. That was as it's led to believe in the trailer. So yeah, no, I think she's alive and well. I think we will obviously hopefully find out how she survived the events of Dark Disciple. Cat, he asked you who remembers it better than us. Is do we get a body, a definitive body, at the end of Dark Disciple, a dead body? Ooh, I think there's a body, but I don't think Quinlan takes the body. But I could, I or does he take her back to Daphnir? Now you're challenging. Now you're challenging my memory. There's enough of a grey area that she could be healed. Don't well, she gets taken back to Daphnir, and the witches use the magic. You know, we've got it. We're now what's happened, don't we? Don't they put her in a lake on Dathomir? That that's what I was thinking. It's it's Quinlan because I remember Quinlan carrying her. Yeah. Ooh. Is it like a lake of reincarnation? Maybe. I think it's supposed to be like the Night Sister death rites that he tries to give her, but it could be that it allows her to heal. Do we think we? Do you think we see Morgan Elsbeth doing some magic? I mean, with the Night Sisters, anything's possible. Time will tell. Time will tell. Kat, what other comics have you been reading and how have they been awesome? 
So I'm currently reading the Darth Vader series by Greg Pak, and I'm also reading The High Republic by Calvin Scott. This is phase three. Um, latest issue of Darth Vader, number 42, had a cameo of Lieutenant Enric Pride, who people will know from The Rise of Skywalker. This is well before he became uh, so high up in the Empire. He's basically complaining about the lack of resources allowed to a lieutenant. And then the High Republic Phase 3 is currently at a stage where the Jedi and New Republic Coalition uh, are trying to breach the storm wall made by the Nile, uh, who have taken over a massive swathe of the Outer Rim and barricaded it behind the occlusion zone, which only their specially adapted hyperdrives can get through. So the characters are going through quite a lot because there's Jedi stuck in the occlusion zone who are at the mercy of the Nile. And Keith Trennis is leading the way with Elzar Man to try and rescue those Jedi and also try and put a stop to the Nile. Martian Rowe is not liking the fact that he now has to govern. He's all for trampling the Jedi and destroying things, but he now realises he actually needs to govern. Um, making a Nile government may just well be their downfall. Martian Rowe is just a very, very naughty man, isn't he? Very naughty. He is very ambitious, and I think that ambition is going to come and bite him. Which Jedi do you want to kill him? I, you know, why, I why like Even though he is the villain, he does have this enigmatic presence about him, and I quite like him. So I don't necessarily want him dead. I mean, I want him to pay for his crimes. I think he should definitely be brought up to uh, the New Republic, uh, the Republic Senate, and be like, right, you've got to pay for your crimes. But if anybody needs to take him down, I would say it even needs to be Avar Chris or uh, Elzar Man. Maybe Bell. What is Bell alive? Oh, don't tell us Bell's not alive. Is Bell, Bell and Boriaga are doing well. Good. Bell could do it because what he did, what he did, a load and not on. Mm, Bell is in trouble. I think he is struggling with his emotions. Maybe he kills him and turns the dark side. Very good, wouldn't it? Mm, very, very much a possibility. The last, uh, so the last time we saw Bell was in Shadows of Starlight, which is a four-part miniseries. Um, that's just before um, the current High Republic Phase 3 main series. And that miniseries did have an issue focusing on Bell and Buryaga. And Bell did seem to be quite angry for a Jedi. Okay. Ian, have you any, any new Star Wars comics or books lately? Other than yes, I have actually. Yeah, I read the first issue of the Thrawn uh, Alliances. Yes, Thrawn Alliances adaptation. Really, really enjoyed that. I really, for those who haven't read it, it's a it's a novel by obviously Timothy Zahn, Timothy Zahn, set in between Star Wars Rebels, where Darth Vader and Thrawn are sent to the well, Batu Galaxy's Edge, to uh, sense a disturbance that the Emperor has sensed in the force but also 
it doubles back to the prequel era where Anakin and Padme go to Batu, and uh, they will have to work with Thrawn to stop a separatist plot, which is really a Darth Sidious plot, but that's fine. Uh, but no, it, it was really good to. Uh, I'm really excited for this series because uh, we get we will get our first look at the Grisks. Obviously, they never they've never been pictured or seen on screen or anything like that. They are the for a better for a lack of a better term, it's basically the Yuuzhan Vong of the canon. Basically, I think it is. But we will get our first look of them in one of the issues coming up. Uh, and yeah, they're really, really, really good. I also finished the Star Wars Bounty Hunters run and I was really happy with that uh, because we get a happy ending really in the end of that which I won't spoil but no I was happy for Baylor at Valance who really did need to catch a break to be fair so I'm glad he managed to catch one uh, so yeah no I've finished I've just fallen alliances and uh, the end of the Bounty Hunters run is what I've currently been reading very good so the Bounty Hunters finished now yeah it finished with issue 42 which was which is a really cool story. It ties into Return of the Jedi, and it it also gives Bela a role in helping them get Han out of Jabba's palace, which was really cool. I've got a few trip paperbacks to catch up on with that, so yeah, I'll have to get them read. Um, and maybe we can review it all once I've caught up. I suppose. Um, I just think Bela Valance deserved a deserved a break. <laughs> he really did. Ethan put him through everything in that series. Yeah. I see that they are doing an adaptation of the Ahsoka series. Yes. It's going to be an eight-part series uh, from Marvel Comics, um, adapted by Rodney Barnes. Um, so I don't know who's excited for this. I always love the adaptations because sometimes you get, like, you see things that maybe you didn't see in, like, the in the novel or in the TV show or in the movie. So I'm excited to see what little Easter eggs we might see lying around. I, I agree with that. I think, I think it was the Rogue One adaptation where when Saw dies in the comic he whips out a hologram and it's Steeler which obviously I don't think it would have made sense in the movie because people would have been like who's that but for like us nerds and that that was a that was an amazing little panel in the Rogue One adaptation definitely and that's coming um it's coming July I think um the Ahsoka adaptation so that's pretty cool um is any other publishing that you guys want to cover uh, I think we're caught up to be fair I think I'd just like to congratulate Alyssa Wong on her final issue of Dr. Afra and the amazing series they wrote. Yeah, so is this is this the final so is this the end of Dr. Afra as a comic for the time being? It is the end of Dr. Afra for the time being. And again, it was a very fitting ending to a really good series. And it's left open in a way that Afra can certainly get into trouble in the future again. Absolutely wonderful. I, I'm behind the Dark Afra as well. Surprise to nobody. Uh, but I, I love the the first set of comics I loved. And I just need to get caught up on this. I've, on these new I've got her first appearance in Darth Vader, the obviously issue three from, from Kieran Gillen. Yeah, she's a great character. I, I just think it's a matter of time before she goes on screen. Oh, yeah, I definitely want Dr. Afra. Either in animation or in live action. And let's take it over to merchandise. I know we've spoken Lego, um, so we know what Lego sets people have been buying. But let's go to you first. Ian, any any new action figures been purchased over the past month or so? Yes, I have purchased. Uh, I looked on Star Action Figures the other day, and there was two figures that I really liked, and they were on sale. One was the Antok. Merrick figure from Rogue One. He's the blue leader in Rogue One. 
he was only six quid, so that was good. Uh, and also the Darth Maul from the Clone Wars, obviously with his in uh, the Siege of Mandalore, he was only nine quid, so I think it was only about eleven quid with delivery. So yeah, uh, I got I got those two. Both I also got the Mando season one like Blu-ray steel book. That's really cool. Uh, that's a really cool. It's uh, a really cool thing to have. To be fair, I really. I really hope they keep releasing the Disney Plus series on physical because I like the physical media. And also today, I uh, I signed up for one of them smugglers crates just to see what you get. So yeah, I've got a bit mad recently. To be fair, very good. Did the um, Mandalorian Steelbook come with like DVD extras? Yes, it did. Yes, uh, I'll tell you right now. What did it come with? It came with. It says on the back, never before seen bonus footage, uh, bonus extras. Remnants of the Empire and cover the Imperial designs adapted for the series and meet the new villains of the Empire's threat resist. And Forging the Covert Part 1, John Favreau, Dave Filoni and the crew highlight the craftsmanship behind Grogu, the Mandalorian's arsenal and the show's practical effects and digital wizardry. That's just for the Blu-ray. Fantastic. Kat, let's go for you. What other than Lego have you been purchasing Star Wars-wise? Have you been getting any more Kylo Ren posters? I do not have any more Star Wars Lego. Not that I haven't been buying Lego, just not Star Wars. Uh, but I do have the new uh, Sabine Wren Funko Pop based on the Ahsoka series. Um, I got myself a Nubs plush because I obviously couldn't live without a Nubs plush. I just love how this they've got a Nubs who goes on the Comic Cons now and you get to meet Nubs there. I need to go to i just need to go to a comic con with nubs please let him come to the uk comic cons because i demand to give a hug to nubs if you were going to go out for like take nubs out for some food like which which uk restaurant would you take him to and why i think i would take him to Krispy cream and we would just eat donuts because nubs strikes me as a cake person he definitely likes cake 100 percent. i think he likes everything to be fair but he definitely likes cake, 100%. You know you were a fan of Nubs, or is he not your cup of tea? I like the character, like I said. Uh, I've, I've never watched the Jedi, uh, Young Jedi Adventures. Like I said, I don't think it's for my uh, age bracket. But no, like I said, no, he's, he's cute, and I can see why people think he's cute. Uh, yeah, like I said, he's, uh, he's a bit of fun, to be fair. If you were going to take Nubs to any Ooh. fast food chain in the UK, where would you take him in? Where would I take him? That's a good question. You're taking the McDonald's. I'll go with the cake then, to be fair. I'll go five guys. He'd like five guys. Yeah, he would like five guys because he could get burger yeah. and hot dog and chips. He could also get milkshakes. As well I love as five guys. <laughs> yeah, he'd be well into it. Well into it. But no, I think that brings an end. We'll end the episode with the main event that is Nubs. Hashtag Nubs Nation. Um, yes. Ian, where can the people find you on social media? I am on social media. I've changed my user handle back to my old one, so I am at social media uh, at Star Wars Ian on X. And Kat, where can the lovely people find you on social media? You can find me at Twitter on Kat Kylo, both with Ks, where I'm always happy to talk Lego, Star Wars and anything Kylo Ren. And you can find me on Instagram and X or Twitter at Jordy Jedi Pete. You can find the podcast on X or Twitter at Boar's Store. And you can find the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Star Wars Podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or on um, Spotify, you can leave us a five star review. 
um, with a nice little comment. Again, it makes us smile all day. It only takes you a few seconds. And if you're listening on any other type of podcast platform, which we are, should be on all of the main ones, um, again, just think about leaving us a top review. It makes us smile a lot. Like I said, it takes you a few moments. It also helps other people find the podcast. But that brings an end to this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. May the force be with you all. And remember, always tell that to Kanja Club. The Dorky Diva Show presents... Why is this seat so much more comfortable? The long-awaited sequel to the adventures of the Zolandart audio drama. Have you seen the captain's datapad? Trying to work, Murph. Piloting the Zolandart by himself... You do understand the details of this particular job, correct? I've been on plenty of jobs like this. With you! Reldar Sias returns to a planet he thought he'd left behind for good. Is there a reason you didn't mention I was tagging along? Hopefully having you there will make others think twice about messing with me. Making new friends. Oh, you must be the pilot of the Zolandart, yes? I guess I am. And reconnecting with old ones. Reldar? Vera? What are you doing here? Until past grudges resurface. I'd be minding my own business if I were you. Well, if your business wasn't being handled right in front of my face, maybe I could mind my own business. We have to leave. Now. Why the rush all of a sudden? We're in trouble. If it isn't little Reldarsoyus. Hey, Yorick. <laughs> Long time no see. Rose already knows you're here. Oh. Look who decided to come home. Reldar must confront his origin. I must admit, I never saw this as being a part of your past, Softshell. Or let it define his future. I will get what is owed to me, no matter the cost. Because what Roz is trying to do is wrong. Says you. My blasters, we're going to need these. Take that, Sleepo. <laughs> Who do you think you are? The Adventures of the Zolan Dart, Episode 2, coming soon. Fearless Fred presents Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story, Season 2. The Empire stands on the verge of total defeat. Its forces in tatters after a disastrous defeat at the hands of Separatist forces. The Imperial Fortress of Camp Vibus has fallen. Spies have infiltrated High Command. Secessionist forces slaughter anyone friendly to the Empire. But the mutters of Platoon 79 will not yield. They will not break, no matter the odds. But all is not lost. The arrival of a new commander brings hope for success. But with him comes a tighter grip, because failure is not an option. The Emperor doesn't tolerate such gross incompetence, and neither do I. The shattered remnants of Imperial might are rallied against a relentless enemy. No! that the Emperor watches over us, that we are the instrument that brings his peace to the galaxy. Experience the galaxy and join the Imperial forces as Solomon Kwai and the rest of the Mud Troopers march headlong towards a war they might not survive.
Get down! Lead the way. Enlist today. Fearless Fred presents Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story. Season 2 is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.